Everybody see note here and welcome to dopamine the show that is like Elon Musk trying our very best to be human today on the show. I wanted to talk about my year of fear and that is 2018 working through my divorce, changing my entire life and essentially spending my entire year in a loop in what is called the cognitive loop in the Myers-Briggs circles, but uh, essentially is uh, hermitizing myself, getting to a place where I was spending so much time inside, not experiencing life, not not growing, because I was uh, holding myself up, which is also indicative of Enneagram 5, um, very much protecting myself, to the point where I was not only just protecting myself from the outside world, but I was keeping myself in and um, really just want to talk about that entire year because I feel like I'm in a new season of life Um, in comparison to that. That was very much an incubation period. And uh, I just want to share everything that that was and how I worked through it. So let's break it down today on dopamine. Let's go. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. The NFL playoffs have arrived, and we have you covered each day on Outkick's Hot Mic with Hudden Withrow. Some of the best football guests break down the biggest matchups from Armando Salguero and Donovan McNabb to Ryan Leaf and Bobby Carpenter, plus the top headlines and reaction to each playoff weekend. So, Chad, which quarterback ascends to that next level? The Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua is on this list. Got to be Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, it's I think, his time right I now. think so. Yeah, it's, it's his time to shine. He's done it in the regular season. He's won MVP. He's going to win it again. It is time for him to win in the playoffs. Playoffs are also a time to shine for Patrick Mahomes. Can he and the Chiefs' offense figure it out in order to repeat this playoff season? There's plenty of craziness on a week-to-week basis, so pull up the bar with us each weekday wherever you listen to your podcast nfl and more covering your favorite teams outkicks hot mic with hutton and withrow all right welcome to the show hope you guys are doing well we are talking about my year of fear and um well i already recorded this once but uh everything crapped out and i have to do it again so here we are doing it again <laughs> maybe we'll get more nuance this time i don't know who knows um or it could be worse who knows you don't know we're just here we're doing it so um the year of fear, what does it actually mean? My year of fear, 2018, uh, it was the year after my divorce. My entire life that I built up in San Diego had basically come crashing down. Um, I was rethinking my career. How do I approach relationships, um, approaching money, approaching everything that was going on in my life? And everything just kind of went to shit. And I didn't really know what to do. Um, and 
Honestly, the year of fear was not something where I was actively aware of how much fear I was living within, right? Uh, this is something that I've really only realized within the last month or so that the last year, like the overarching theme was this intense sense of fear, fear of being unreliable, fear, fear of not being able to be the best person I can be in my relationship, fear of not being able to be a success again, um, fear of, you know, starting over in a new town, fear of not being able to see my kid, um, fear of perception of who I am as like being seen as a deadbeat dad or something like that. Right. Fear of my inability to handle money and having to deal with so much stuff. Right. Fear of just everything. So much was baked in fear in that last year. It really started from really being in, in, in Rochester after moving away from San Diego and having the opportunity to finally feel loved and supported. I feel like the last year was not only a fear based thing, but it was an incubation period. I needed time. I needed everything to stop. And I think that was important as much as it was about fear. It was about me needing to recalibrate. I needed to learn the extremes of certain boundaries in order to continue to protect them going forward. Cause I find that in order to understand the nuances of something, you typically have to go to the edges first and then work your way in to kind of figure out how to navigate the rest of it. So for me, having to go to this extreme of setting such extreme boundaries to the point where I got rid of all of my clients. I started spending so much money. I was just holding myself away. I didn't want to meet anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I wasn't leaving the house very much. I was doing work on my own. And I was, while I was doing interviews online and I was doing all sorts of work on the internet, I was not allowing myself to be exposed to the actual real world. I wasn't going out into town and experiencing things. I wasn't, I didn't have as much energy to go do stuff. And I felt incredibly bad and guilty that I wasn't able to join Molly on a lot of her adventures that she wanted to go on locally to go to like, uh, to, to music shows and stuff like that. And I went to a couple, but I realized that I was like, pretty miserable. And I felt this yo-yo effect to, to come back to the house. But I also realized I was dealing with intense complex PTSD where in my past life in San Diego, it, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't many opportunities or there were opportunities for me to go do my own thing. But there was this elasticity to it that because of the nature of my relationship and the gaslighting part of it, um, I wasn't really able to fully experience being myself and being on my own. And, um, that essentially led to me now feeling like, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, uh, being whacked with a stick and you're just always fearful that anyone has a stick, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of where the complex PTSD comes from. And I had to explore not only that within my relationship, within my past relationship, but also from like my relationship with my parents and my relationship with like religion and dissonance and how, there's been persistent gaslighting in my youth, you know, and I had to reconcile with that as I started to learn about myself as an INTP to separate that from my mental illness, to understand my mental illness to the point where I can really figure out like, why do I keep having issues with it? Um, and having to reconcile with some sense of guilt, because if I understood personality types a little bit better, or if I understood myself better, or understood my mental health and how to manage it better, perhaps my relationship could have been better in San Diego. Perhaps my life in San Diego could have been better. And I had to reconcile with that, right? 
And um, I mean, ultimately, I've decided that that's not the case. I don't think that's true, right? Because it still takes two people to tango, and I don't think she was prepared to develop in the ways that I would have needed her to. Um, not that she's a bad person by any means. I, I think it's important to stress that. Sorry, I just need some water. I'm going too quick. Oh, that went down the wrong pipe. That doesn't feel good. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there was just like a, a bunch of time where I, I was spending money. I was trying to live my old lifestyle from California. I was trying to act as if nothing was wrong, you know, and the challenge was finding ways to take those lessons that I've learned from that past life and translate it to this new one. And not only from the perspective of money and how I want to do business and how I want to have a career, but understanding how to develop my relationship. Cause that's probably been the most important part of my last year for me is developing not only my current relationship, but understanding how relationships work in general, how healthy relationships work. I haven't had a lot of exposure to healthy relationships. Um, other than, you know, Molly and I working together through this, like we've had this like amazing revelation to one another that this intense amount of communication has been so eye-opening and enlightening and freeing and supportive and amazing. And in a lot of ways, I've had to reconcile with getting support in a way that I never thought that I ever could, right? Like I, I've had to learn to adapt to what this kind of support actually is, what it means, what I can do with it, um, and where to go from there. Right. And when you start to experience an intense amount of support, you have to, by antithesis, look at all the times you didn't get support and compare those notes. That's the way that I do it. At least I've had to compare those notes to see, you know, where, the differences are and, and why I didn't earn that kind of love when I was a kid. Is it something that was natural within me again with my mental health versus being an INTP or, you know, did I just have uh, some aspects of my upbringing that were shitty, right? That were beyond my control, right? Cause I'm a person that is always taking personal accountability as much as possible for the things that happen in my life. And sometimes that makes me susceptible to gaslighting, to someone blaming me for things um, that I didn't do. And I've, over time, had to develop this ability to say, okay, that wasn't my fault. I can I can reconcile with that. I can be okay. And I can move forward from that, right? Same thing happened uh, to some degree when I was working with clients. There was just kind of more patterns emerging of being susceptible or a magnet to people that want to take advantage of me and having to fortify my armor to allow for me to want to work with people as opposed to being trampled on by them. I had two times in the past year where I got taken advantage of by two people in, um, in a guerrilla group that I work that I'm in on Facebook. They're amazing people, the group themselves. Landon's amazing. Ash is amazing. So this is not a detriment to the group itself, but when you're involved in a business group, there are going to be possibilities for people to be, um, you know, less than, uh, scrupulous. Is that the right word? <laughs> They're going to be not great people. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they kind of come off as trustworthy, but there's a lack of humility sometimes, or they don't really understand, um, how much they don't know, which I guess is what that means. And, um, 
I just sort of uh, uh, came across that and was basically taken advantage of for $8,000 worth of work. And uh, that was a very frustrating thing to work through. You know, that made me stop the presses when that happened. That, that was at the end of last year. That made me stop everything. And I had to think like, okay, every time I open the door, like a hailstorm comes through. So what can I do to not just block myself from the door, but make sure that like, how can I make the storm go away? How can I work through the storm? How can I find a way to change or go through a different door? Right. doesn't mean I have to hold myself inside and make myself continuously inaccessible, but how can I find ways to fortify better relationships? How can I make it a mutual responsibility? And honestly, through doing Uber and Lyft has kind of taught me that, that uh, the beauty of doing Uber and Lyft is that it's a mutual responsibility between the driver and the passenger. If I pull up to someone's house and they are not in the car in three minutes, I can leave. I don't have to wait for them, right? I'm not obligated. This is a mutual exchange, right? So if they make me wait, then they have to just order another one because I have to keep moving. I have to do my own thing. I can't wait for you. This is a mutual exchange. Either we're in this together or we're not in it at all, right? And I've had to develop that um, that understanding because it's not, again, about setting malicious, malicious boundaries. Ooh, what is that? <coughs> Man, talking has been hard. <laughs> it's not about setting malicious boundaries in a way that it's like my way or the highway or like screw you or whatever, but it's about understanding the mutual beneficial needs of taking personal responsibility for each other and with each other. Right. So if I had done that before each of those situations where I got screwed out of all of that, all of that money, you know, I would have maybe found out sooner that they weren't the right people to work with or found better ways to protect myself um, and protect each other. You know, that's something I think about when I talk about client contracts is putting a clause in there that essentially says that if I disappear for 10 days, you get a full refund. If you disappear for 10 days, I get full payment and all work stops, right? It's because because throughout the process, it is about I'm working with you. I'm not working for you. It's not about here handing it to me and saying, you do this and then tell me what it's done. And then I'm going to scrutinize it when it's done and make you do more work. Mm-mm, no, not at all. We're going to work in this process together, or I'm going to have creative control and we're going to make sure that this thing works to both of our desires and needs and specifications to everything that you need. Cause if you need something from me, then you got to be willing to work with me to get what you need. Right. Otherwise you're just trusting me to a point that you're probably not capable or willing to trust me because <laughs> you're going to come back and scrutinize it when it's done. I've done this millions of times. So if we can come up with a way to make sure that both parties are mutually checking in with each other and part of the process and all sorts of, you know, taking mutual responsibility for it, because again, you're paying me to work with you, not for you. That's an important, you know, differentiating point. So part of doing Uber and Lyft in the past two months, two or three months has really taught me that. And really all of this realization that the last 12 months of my life have been about living in fear in some form have all kind of manifested more accurately in terms of its understanding in the past, in the past two or three months. Uh, and the difference is, is that in the past two or three months, I've been going out into the world. I've been allowing myself to slowly get out there and experience things. I've had to because I need money, but 
the benefits are that I get to talk to people. I get to share and listen to different perspectives. I get to share my story. I get to hear the value that people get out of me sharing my story, um, which sometimes is the challenge with doing this podcast. I don't always get feedback from you guys. Like it's amazing. And I appreciate that you guys listen to this show and I hope it helps you. But sometimes it is nice to hear immediate feedback saying like, Oh my God, that's amazing. That's interesting. That helps me. Right. And I don't always hear that. So getting that feedback is nice. So getting that feedback from the outside world, experiencing more of the city, finding ways to connect with people. And through that, I've been starting to gain clients again and get a little bit on my feet and finding ways to do this on my own. You know, there was a point last year also, most of last year actually, where I was working with one of my dad's clients and um, my dad, you know, was helping me through generosity and he wants to help and he wants to be, um, you know, helping his kids all the time. And I think that's great. And I love that, but I'm a very independent person. And for me to be able to move on and move forth on my own, I needed to detach myself from that. So that was a challenge also being able to stand my ground when it comes to my mental health and the expectations placed on me. and. Um, be able to redefine my own future, even if that means I have to do something more difficult to change that path, which involved doing Uber and Lyft, which is exhausting. My back hurts. I'm tired. I need to go to the gym <laughs> to stretch my my body a little bit. And, you know, part of it is also realizing that I needed to take care of my physical needs. I need to drink more water and eat better food and go to the gym. And uh, I've been doing intermittent fasting and, and doing all sorts of adjustments to improve my life. Um, so things are starting to slowly change for the better as I've been, you know, continuously working through all of these ideas. So, I mean, I've been living in fear in the last year while still simultaneously working through so much stuff. But um, it really wasn't until I read the Enneagram, the complete Enneagram by Beatrice Chestnut um, and talking to my friends at Personality Hacker and talking with Molly and so many people close to me that I started to realize that everything was baked in fear. All of it, the overarching thing was fear. I just had a fear of putting myself out there, fear of connection, fear of, be fear of being insecure, fear of losing my relationship over my mental health or over my inability to produce um, or whatever the case may be based on like uh, my past situation, right? Fear of not even being able to see my kid, fear of so much stuff that was just baked in this, that, that was like creating this version of me that was just making myself smaller. I was just retracting myself. I was pulling back. I was not making myself known, even my content on my website, like my prices were too high. They weren't accurate to what the market would respond to. And my wording on my website was baked in unreliable language. It was naturally repelling language. And the difference between reading that stuff now, which I changed it a few days ago, but reading it now when I was changing it versus like when I wrote it at the time when I wrote it, I was like, yeah, setting boundaries, extreme boundaries, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll hear it in this podcast too. I've had episodes where I'm talking about setting boundaries and all of that stuff. And boundaries are important. That doesn't change. But I was setting such extreme boundaries that I was fortifying myself into my armor. Like I wasn't able to move. I wasn't able to get out. I wasn't experiencing the outside world, right? So being able to, to be aware of that and learn that what I actually need to do is reconcile stuff with my past, 
understand the gaslighting that was going on in my past. Again, something that I didn't really fully understand until a few months ago either, that there was a ton of gaslighting, that my personality is baked in logic, and that there's uh, there were so many things that I was being faced with. My parents were trying to understand uh, their own version of faith and therefore forcing it upon me because they felt like they missed the opportunity to have a straight and narrow path. They were also living in fear because my dad got mixed up with drugs and he ended up in jail. And then and, and there were all sorts of things that uh, my mom got pregnant when she was young and, and all sorts of things that um, sort of let them live in fear. And they kind of passed that on to me. Uh, and they tried to prevent, do preventative care, essentially, by almost shoehorning me into religion. And in that process of me sort of, whether or not I actually vocalized it, which can be a problem with an introverted thinker like myself, I my wishes were not being respected. Like, I was pretty adamant about the fact that I did not believe this stuff. None of it made any sense to me. And frankly, it creeps me out. It still creeps me out today. Like I don't like going into a church or seeing symbolism freaks me the F out. Um, I don't like it at all. I don't like some of the wording. I don't even like some of the language. And I think there's even like guided meditation freaks me out because of that. Like I don't like any of it. So I was pretty vocal about not liking that stuff. But then in high school, I ended up in Catholic school and I had to deal with all of that. And uh, Philadelphia, again, being a sensor feeler city uh, with a lot of religious undertones, Catholicism, all of this stuff. Like I just felt like I was inundated with cognitive dissonance and felt like I wasn't being listened to or respected um, at all. Right. And then there were versions of that happening within my marriage as well uh, that created a lot of frustration um, with me being able to move forward and, and have my wishes respected. And, uh, she would just kind of do whatever she wanted to do anyway, regardless of what it is that, how it affected our relationship. Um, and there were just a lot of things missing in my life in terms of intuitive connection, uh, that Molly has been satisfying intensely. And it's been really amazing. It's, it's been about me sort of regrouping and finding the new people to connect with, finding the right people to connect with, because I connected with plenty of people, but only lately have I been connecting with better people. Uh, people on Twitter, Personality Hacker, again, has been amazing. Um, you know, and Molly remains like the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's just, I can't even properly express how she's been pivotal in my growth and giving me the room to do all the research that I have done uh, and to not put pressure on me, despite us both having to kind of rework our lives and figure out our next steps and, um, you know, just be in it together, right? She doesn't expect anything from me. We have patience for one another. And that's just like, uh, I can't even fathom that. It's still weird to me, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I've had to reconcile with all of that too. I've had to just become comfortable with with being supported because that feels foreign to me. And um, so, I mean, all of that has allowed me to finally get to that place where I realized that fear was the thing. And in order to, to challenge fear, I have to fortify myself, meaning I have to strengthen myself. I can't just wear armor. I have to grow my muscles. I have to eat better. I have to physically get stronger. I have to work on my financial health. I have to... Uh, maybe push a little bit more, 
right? And I have to manage my cyclothymia as best as I can. That means remain maintaining a consistent cycl- um, circadian rhythm so that uh, my chemical makeup doesn't get all weird and I go through these cycles and I can just kind of, you know, continue to grow and develop as a person. So that's really where I'm at right now is strengthening myself, finding ways to be more direct and have that be respected and appreciated, not stopping myself in my tracks from being direct or asking for what I want and going for what I want. And, um, just being real, you know, working through conflict in healthy ways, uh, being honest, being honest about my emotional state and what I need. So, that's basically that. That that covers the year of fear, basically. Uh, there's so much more. There's a lot of nuance. I spent a ton of money, you know, uh, money that I didn't really have. Um, I'm still dealing with credit card debt, having to face that, having to face child support, and having to face uh, my ex-wife and finding a way to communicate with her again. We haven't spoken more than a few words at a time since I left. And we need to find ways to co-parent and I need to find a way to get there to go see him and uh, to, to see my son and figure all that stuff out. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm kind of in the midst of mania because um, my circadian rhythm was thrown off with daylight savings time, which is frustratingly annoying. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm going to take the time to make sure that I'm still taking care of myself. So after I'm done this, I'm going to go to the gym. I've still got a ton of work to do tonight, but I'm just going to do that when I get back. Like everything, it can wait. Right. So I appreciate you guys for being here. You could follow up with me at let's go see note. If you know someone that could benefit from this episode, from the idea of, well, there's something I needed to add actually, is that, um, you know, it took me seven years to build my life in San Diego and I need to have patience with how this life is developing. And being in mania, it can be really frustrating to to be patient with that and feel like I'm worthless because I'm not accomplishing as much as my brain wants me to in this moment. Um, and allowing myself to have patience with myself is important in the big picture, in the short picture. Um, and, you know, again, Molly's been really great about that. We've been having discussions uh, while she's in LA right now about that, about the fact that we can see how things look like in five or six years that it's going to take some time that there's no immediate pressure, but that we're trudging forward. We're moving on. We are constantly growing and changing. We're trying new things. We're experimenting. We're tinkering. We're playing. We're creating, right? We're doing that constantly. She sees it with me and I see it with her. I incredibly see it with her. She's so incredibly talented. You have no idea. Go to the darling rage on Instagram. If you want to have an idea (laughs) and um, see all of that, right? I've been doing more with photography. Um, I've been doing more with connecting people with, with people on Twitter. Uh, my friends at personality hacker, uh, I, I have plans to write some books. I've been doing a daily blog, uh, doing some local, uh, video and photo work, like, and just kind of sowing the seeds and getting myself in a good headspace to be a little bit of a thought leader too, to, to want to do local, uh, events where I'm doing speaking gigs and stuff like that would be amazing. Right. So all the seeds are being planted for those things, constantly reassessing, constantly working through, constantly questioning, constantly asking what's next, right? And just uh, giving myself patience for the fact that this this stuff manifests over time. I'll leave you with one final thought is that like that notion 
of things manifesting over time is important. Patience is incredibly important. It's like thinking about when you go to a friend's house or you go to like a grandparent's house or you go to someone's cool house, basically. And you're like, you got all this stuff. What is all this stuff? Where'd you get all this? Like it's a rad house. They've collected things. Like there's just so much. And the truth is they've collected it over 40 years of their life. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like they went to Ikea and Kohl's and JCPenney and uh, to uh, all sorts of gift shops and all this stuff overnight or over or um, ordered a ton of things on Amazon in the same day, right? They didn't take a million dollars and invest it all in stuff in their house. This is things that accumulated over time. And uh, it's important to remember that the stuff happens over time. So have patience with yourself today so that things can manifest for you tomorrow. Not literally tomorrow, but like six years tomorrow. <laughs> so if you have any thoughts, any questions, please hit me up at Let's Go See Note. Um, and if you want to share this with a friend, I would absolutely love that. Don't bother with a rating or review. I'm, I'm, I'm over that. I'm over asking for that. What I want is if you have a friend who is struggling, who is dealing with something like this, who is kind of a hermit, who is kind of stuck or baked in fear and not taking personal responsibility or whatever the case may be, please send it to them. You know, let my words be the words that you can't say, right? Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe you don't want to share it with them. Let me talk about it to them and they can reach out to me. And if they want to work with me on their, on their own, let's do that. I'm not a licensed therapist, but I'm somebody who's dealing with life. And uh, I think about this stuff all the time. So the best that I can do is offer my help in the best that I in the best way that I can, which is usually through this podcast. So send them a link, and uh, you know they can send me a voice message or hit me up at Let's Go See Note on the social channels. So that's it. Uh, the two main things I got going on: dopamine.teachable.com. If you want to sign up for the Myers Briggs free breakdown course, and uh, you can also go to cnote.media to check out my stuff there as well. My media courses and my, my, uh, multimedia design work. And I also just relaunched my, uh, super Myers Briggs podcast. So if you're interested in Myers Briggs and want to break down personality types uh, of fictional characters and celebrities and stuff like that, that's where I'm doing that. So anchor.fm slash super MBTI. So that is everything. That is all the things I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. Where's the mouse? There it is. Okay, bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.